Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel, broadcasting remotely. Southern Connecticut State University is one of many higher ed institutions that have begun offering online courses before the pandemic hit. Now all campuses are closed and students and faculty have been forced to adapt to classes online. Coming up, we talk to Southern's president, Joe Bertolino, about higher education now and in the future. Are you a college student? How's online learning going? If you're a staff or faculty member, we want to hear from you too. Join the conversation, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. I want to welcome our first guest to the show on Zoom, Elizabeth Rousseau, who's studying economics and public policy and law at Trinity College in Hartford. Uh, She was living on campus. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about your experience at Trinity. I understand you were an RA? Yeah. So I started becoming being an RA uh, in the fall. And I was living in a residential learning community with uh, for our first year students. And it was going well. Um, I was building a community with them. And then we found out that we were going to be leaving campus. And so what was your reaction? Did you think it might be short-term versus long-term? Yeah, I definitely thought it was going to be short-term. We found out March 11th, which was the Wednesday before spring break, that we were going to go home for spring break, and then we'd have another two weeks of virtual learning. And so we all sort of thought it'll be three, four weeks, um, and most people left some of their things brought home all of your school stuff and clothes but leave like the big things like your fridge and microwave at school and what was or has been communication like uh, from trinity in terms of again so many schools had to shift suddenly to offering this uh, online classroom so to speak and so for your major and for the classes you were taking what was that like Um, it was slow at first to come. Uh, we were waiting on like the academic faculty, uh, to meet and to decide on pass fail. So we have pass fail as an option for this semester. And then also after that came out, um, it was like a day before both of my departments came out with, we'll take um, all of these classes pass fail towards the major. And there were like a couple that you had to have your regular grade in. Um, so it's, it's been good, but news has been slow and there've been a lot of rumors. Um, and we still just don't have much information. So are you, have you completed finals or what's the calendar look like for you now? Um, I submitted my last final last night. And um, I'm thinking about taking a summer class, but uh, until like mid-June, I don't have 
much more information beyond the fact that they're tr- they're hoping to have students on campus in the fall. You're hearing Elizabeth Rousseau. She's a, a junior in economics and public policy and law at Trinity College in Hartford. As we talk about this shift in to online learning for so many uh, college students across our nation, uh, we want to hear from you too. Uh, please uh, give us a call. Let us know what it's been like to shift uh, to learning this way, especially if you were living on campus, uh, 888-720-9677. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. And we wanted to bring in some faculty perspective. So joining us now also on Zoom is Alexis McLeod. He's associate professor in the philosophy department at University of Connecticut. Alexis, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So uh, when did you find out UConn was going to be offering online classes for the rest of the semester? And what's it been like for you to shift? Well, we found out um, just before uh, spring break. Um, So it was around the second week of of March. Um, there There had been some discussion of it before. Um, this was obviously kind of the situation with the virus had been getting worse, and some of us, some of us were kind of expecting this. Um, but it was still uh, really difficult um, for many of us, like myself, who had never taught online courses before. Um, there was there was quite a bit of a, of a learning curve. Um, it, it definitely wasn't easy or or fun to transition into online, but we made it work. Mm. So tell us how you made it work. Uh, what platforms are you using? And uh, describe what it was like uh, to turn on the computer and see possibly your students looking back at you as you as you taught your course. Yeah, it was difficult. And especially in my position as a philosopher, um, philosophy is not the easiest thing to teach uh, <laughs> online. Um, uh, there's a lot of kind of interaction that we have. Um, the I tried a couple of different methods. I was kind of learning on the fly. Um, one of the things I tried at first was using Zoom, um, having multiple people kind of trying to interact in that way. I found that wasn't actually as effective as I thought it would be. Um, and so I transitioned to um, a, a kind of method where I used PowerPoints online and I had meetings via, via Zoom um, and doing things that way to, to close things out. I also had to uh, change the, a, bit, a bit of the requirements of my course um, to make it a little bit easier for everybody to uh, keep up with everything, given that the students were going through the same disruptions that that we were, um, and so I, I basically truncated everything, made it made it a bit uh, made it a bit easier for them to to, to deal with. Hmm. You know, there's so much emphasis on how this shift to online learning affects uh, academics, but you must also be thinking and worrying about your students' uh, emotional health or their mental health and all of the stress that this uh, pandemic brings. Absolutely. And so this has been, it's been difficult for, for all of us for those, those reasons. And uh, when I talk to my students, sometimes I would try to kind of check in with them and, and, and to, to, to tell them to, to, try to, to try to relax and take things as easy as they could, because I know that they're going through, we're feeling the stress. I know that they've got to be feeling the stress um, as well. And uh, some of them have wrote, written to me and, and, and talked about that. Um, so it's been, it's been a difficult thing. And I think that's part of the reason that I look toward um, trying to make this the, the, requirements less onerous for the last part of the of the class because of all that they're going through. Elizabeth Rousseau, I'm wondering if you could jump in on that question. Again, uh, it's it's easy to think that, well, this can't be too difficult shifting online, but there's so many other stresses in, in one's life uh, that you have to, to juggle, including uh, disruptions and distractions at home. Yeah, um, it's been harder to study, harder to get myself to Um, put in the long days that you're used to on a college campus where you go to the library after dinner with friends and like if you leave before 
11 o'clock at night, like you put in a short night. Um, so it's been very different, um, just changing and adapting to the rhythms of life at home. Um, at home, I have dinner with my family. I walk my dogs. I see my parents and my sister all the time. Um, and that has definitely changed and um, distracted me in a lot of ways. Mm. When we're in class, I'm going back to my uh, time in college years ago, uh, as we heard from Alexis, you know, you, there's certain interaction that you want to have between students and uh, the professor. It's difficult to think about how that experience now is online. Do you feel like you're getting the, the same level of learning? Yes and no. Um, I had a couple classes where I definitely felt like I got the same amount at out of the course at the end. And then there were some that I, like I just didn't have the same amount of interaction with my professor or with any students in the class. Um, so there was very little collaborative work. Um, after um, we went to virtual um, and it was harder to, you know, ask a question because if, you'd have to interrupt um, in a much different way. Like the social norms mm -hmm. were disrupt disrupted and that was hard to like get used to. We're talking about a higher education this hour on Where We Live. My guest, Elizabeth Rousseau, a junior in economics and public policy and law at Trinity College in Hartford, and Alexis McLeod, associate professor in the philosophy department at UConn. You can join us too, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. We're interested to hear how this shift to online learning has been going for you. Uh, Elizabeth, uh, this all goes without saying that uh, college isn't cheap, especially a college like Trinity. College And so how does this impact your plans to continue your schoolwork, especially if this pandemic continues as we look to the fall and this idea that, that maybe college will still have to be online? Yeah, um, it's hard to imagine paying what my family has been paying for Trinity College um, for me to be living at home and taking my classes all on my computer. Um, so and I haven't gotten any financial aid uh, for next year yet. Uh, we haven't even submitted anything um, to the financial aid department. Um, like you can't, there are no forms yet. So no one knows what it's gonna cost in the fall. Um, and that's a little scary. Um, and I'm sure that there will be people who decide to take a semester off or a year off, and I just don't know what, what that's going to be for me. Alexis McLeod, how are you and your uh, faculty peers thinking about uh, the coming uh, semester again with uh, whether this online education has to continue or if there's some type of hybrid? Are you worried about uh, the students uh, maybe taking the time off and the challenges of getting them to come back? I am. I'm worried about that. Um, I'm also worried about um, having to teach online. It's definitely not been uh, ideal. Um, the main consideration, I think, for me, for many of us, certainly for myself, is uh, is health. Um, we're worried about um, our own health, the health of our family, and the health of our students uh, uh, as well. Um, this is certainly something that none of us have ever gone through before. 
Um, and so we're nervous um, about the possibility of uh, having in-person classes, even though all of us want to. I don't think I, I've, I've talked to anyone who, who doesn't ideally want to, to be uh, on campus um, in the fall. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult. Um, we're, we're, I, would, I would like to be cautious um, because we don't know much about this virus yet. Um, and because we know that it's uh, that it's so dangerous, um, and so this is if if it's if it's required, right? Or if if um, w things aren't under control by the fall, um, then personally, I would I would rather um, teach online just because of the potential dangers. Mm. We're hearing from officials like New York Governor Cuomo thinking about this may be the time to really re-envision uh, education. Um, online courses may become more common. How do you and your colleagues react to that, Alexis? This is a, uh, it's a difficult topic um, because on one hand, I, I agree partially with that. I think that having an online component um, would be a good thing and would allow for more of a, more people to engage with courses. But at the same time, there's a danger in that we get pushed online um, and it takes away from some of the things that we do uh, in person, um, especially in areas like philosophy in which the in-person component is a large part um, of, of what we do. Um, so I, I both agree with the idea that we should in integrate um, aspects like online, especially now during this, this dangerous period. But I also, um, a lot of us would, and I would as well, we wanna push back on the idea that we should move more robustly toward a kind of online model, which we already in many ways have. We do online courses um, all the time. Um, so some kind of hybrid approach, um, I think, is, is good and maybe, maybe the increased use of, of some online components. Um, but I'm a little bit nervous about, about getting too far onto the online, uh, into the online component of, of teaching. Hmm. Uh, we are focusing today on students and uh, faculty, but we should say that we know uh, there are many different people impacted when a college or university closes. Uh, the state uh, has uh, this statistic that 45,000 residents are employed at state colleges and universities, and there definitely is an impact on them as these campuses close. Uh, I want to thank Alexis McLeod for joining us again, Assistant Associate Professor in the Philosophy Department at University of Connecticut. Also, Elizabeth Rousseau, a junior in economics and public policy and law at Trinity College in Hartford. Thank you both for your perspective here on Where We Live. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, coming up, we're going to actually hear how administrators within the Connecticut colleges and university system are preparing. We talk with Southern's president, Joe Bertolino, and we want to hear from you. Are you advising your high school senior about to graduate, graduate to take a gap year with the prospects of online college learning continuing in the fall? Or are you a student who wants to talk about your experience shifting to online coursework? You can join us 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. Just last week, higher ed advisors submitted a plan to Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont detailing how state colleges and universities could open in phases later this summer and fall. We'll hear more about that plan coming up. First, how are college students and faculty and staff handling this quick switch to online learning? We get perspective from Southern Connecticut State University in New Haven, one of the four universities in the state system. Joining us now on Zoom is President Joe Bertolino, who is the president of Southern Connecticut State University. Welcome to the show. Good morning. 
Now, I understand your, your students call you President Joe. Is that what I should call you as well? <laughs> sure, that's fine. Thank you. So you're able to hear uh, from a student at Trinity as well as a faculty member at UConn about what it's been like, this, again, sure. quick turnaround to, to online courses. We know that Southern already offers about, I think, four graduate degrees available completely online. But talk about what it was like to have to shift all of the academic uh, courses uh, to online because of this pandemic. Well, it was uh, certainly a bit daunting. There's no doubt about that. And while it is true that uh, some of our courses and some of our programs, like most institutions, um, have some online, uh, the truth of the matter is, is that Southern, like uh, most of the public regionals and our partners throughout the state, are on the ground campuses. Um, our, our, our lifeblood, if you will, is our interactions with our students and with our communities. Um, in our environment. And so we are a teaching university. So I think part of, part of what has happened here is we've gained a, a, a greater appreciation for the face-to-face experience, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. I think prior to this, folks would talk about the possibilities of online education. And I wouldn't call what we're doing online education as much as I would call it remote learning or remote teaching (laughs) because we only had a 10-day period essentially to transition to online or remote programs and we managed to do that pretty quickly because of the great work of of faculty and staff i mean it was it was incredible to see um how folks transitioned and and essentially we must have trained well over a thousand uh, full-time and part-time faculty and staff uh, in a in a in a, in a one-week period. Mm-hmm. It was it was pretty mm-hmm. incredible. That's a good point that you made about maybe not calling this online learning, but uh, like remote uh, education because of the fact that uh, there's so much planning and preparation when you think about what an online learning uh, course load looks like with this quick turnaround. What is being lost uh, in the type of learning that Southern students and faculty are providing their students? Well, I'll give you a good example because I actually teach a class. I teach a leadership class. I have 40 students in that class. And we are, it is an interactive um, class and based on experiential learning. So to transition a course like that to an online platform or a remote platform uh, requires a great deal of creativity, um, but also does take away somewhat from the experience because what we do on the ground is we build relationships. It's not just about the discipline learning or the academic learning, but it is also a, a combination of the academic discipline, the experience, the interactions, the connectivity. Essentially, we are educating the whole person. And so those experiences are, are, are pretty vital. Um, mm-hmm. Students will say to me often that what they have valued most about their Southern experience are the relationships they've developed with faculty and the lifelong friendships and relationships they've formed in general. 
those are much harder to create and maintain in an online or virtual platform mm -hmm. versus face-to-face. Uh, -face. You can join our conversation with President Joe Bertolino, uh, who is the leader of Southern Connecticut State University. Are you a student at SCSU or a faculty member? You can join us, 888-720-9677. Uh, if you go to another institution, we also love to hear from you, or if you're a parent of a high school senior that was looking forward to college or university in the fall, we want to get your perspective as well. 888-720-9677. Uh, President Joe, when I was talking about the experience that, that are lost uh, when there was this shift to uh, remote learning, uh, Barbara on Twitter writes, curious what's happening with classes and students in fields like veterinary medicine and med techs who need hands-on training with humans and machines and devices. Um, our producer, Carmen Baskoff, her mother uh, is uh, uh, teaches plant ecology uh, in their home state of Tennessee. She writes, lots of parts of the labs are hands-on when they're seeing all of that, measuring out solutions they need. It makes them better understand what's going on and they get more out of it than reading a lab manual. So how are you responding to that need? Well, I, I agree um, that experience that experiential learning experience is is critical um, to training individuals in a variety of different disciplines um, I, I'm not gonna lie it's been very very difficult it's been quite challenging um, because we cannot have students on the ground in laboratories then most of our students right now are learning uh, virtually um, you I'm, I'm guessing that we have a number of students that are watching videos or are watching a faculty member um, essentially facilitate and um, and, and essentially um, sorry my, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here but <laughs> um, <laughs> essentially what's happening is, is that they're, they're showing the students through through the virtual um, the virtual connection look the bottom line is Lucy that you can't make up for that. Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to, uh, to sugarcoat this. I think what we've been exploring now is the possibility of uh, providing those experiences through uh, social distancing. Um, but th the challenge with that is that you then only have a handful of individuals in a lab um, or in a workshop at one time. Um, and so that would require a lot of repetition on the part of the faculty member in order to make that work. Now, mm -hmm. in the health professions, it might be a little bit easier because right now, um, hospitals and clinics um, are able to work with our students uh, in a variety of different ways. And as you've heard at some institutions, they're actually graduating some of their healthcare students earlier um, so that those students can find their way um, into uh, the, the hospitals or the clinics, et cetera. But um, your, your, your callers are correct. Uh, I don't have an easy answer for that. I don't think there is one. Um, and I think that that is part of the experience that gets lost. Um, we do the best we can, quite frankly. Mm. You're hearing again the president of Southern Connecticut State University, Joe Bertolino, here on Where We Live. You can join us too, 888-720-9677. Frank's calling in and teaches at Southern. Frank, you're on the show. 
Yeah, hi. Uh, thank you very much for taking my call. I just uh, wanted to uh, just say that I taught at Southern for many years, and uh, the president's doing a wonderful job, and I entirely agree with him that part of our, the greatness of our university at Southern is the the way that the, the, the interplay between the students and the faculty and the personal relationships. So this COVID-19 has had a profound effect on a lot of the students' education. I'm hoping we can get back to uh, a period of normalcy. Well, Frank, uh, thank you for your call. Let's uh, transition to uh, getting back to normal at some point, uh, President Joe. Uh, tell us about the plans in place. Uh, if there's a way to reopen in the fall, what does Southern need to make that happen? Well, a couple things. First and foremost, um, I-, I do think that this opportunity uh, presents us um, with uh, a-, a sense of what works, what doesn't work, what we can improve upon moving forward. Um, Because I expect that the future of higher education will be a hybrid model, at least in the short term, given uh, given the pandemic. Um, So what does that mean, hybrid? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so what that means is that you will have some uh, disciplines that will be taught online or that will continue to be taught online. Some will be taught on the ground. Some will be a combination of on the ground and online. Um, some will be essentially uh, some students uh, will be able to uh, sit in a classroom practicing social distancing um, in, in engaging with their professor because of the pandemic itself, whether a student, um, and because of family situations. I mean, we need to take into account that this is complex. Um, It's not just about individuals and their learning environment, it's about their lives. Beyond their own health and well-being, we have a lot of students um, and a lot of faculty and staff who are caring for children who are caring for elderly. So all of those are factors. The the well-being of individuals needs to be considered um, in in all of these uh, in in all of these possible plans. Um, Right now, uh, each of the CSUs has developed, is in the process of developing, uh, thanks to the governor's recent um, uh, report and, and criteria, plans that focus on a hybrid model, plans that focus on completely going online, plans that focus on what would happen when we are able to be back on the ground fully. And so the the logistics of those are pretty comprehensive. We do need testing, Mm -hmm. which is probably at the top of the list. Um, Two, we need the guidelines from the CDC. which require PPE. Those are things that we are going to need. We're going to need to engage in discussions about contact tracing. um, And we're going to need to talk about issues of um, ensuring uh, that we have the opportunity and the capacity um, to provide students with the health care and the health services that Mm -hmm. they need. So there's a lot there to unpack. Um, I think at this stage of the game, we're looking at at all angles, all Mm -hmm. possibilities. 
My hope is that at Southern, what we will find is, is again, what I mentioned earlier, this hybrid model, the ability to do some things on campus, the ability to open campus, because I do have to tell people, um, your, your colleges and universities across the state are open and are going to be open in one way, shape, or form. And they will be delivering education and they'll be delivering it well. Um, uh, well, let's talk. Uh, I know that Southern yeah. and the other state universities that you mentioned, uh, many of them are considered commuter institutions, but you mm -hmm. also have residential halls, I believe 3000 beds, there are dining halls. So how does that uh, get uh, sorted out because of the fact that social distancing may need to continue? Well, l let's assume for the sake of argument that uh, with uh, 3000 beds on Southern's campus, we may only be able to accommodate half that number, which would mean single rooms, which would mean configurations related to uh, bathroom facilities, social distancing, ability to test, etc. So we are exploring a variety of models in that regard. I think all institutions are doing that. And with regard to dining, well, I think one can assume that there probably will not be a traditional buffet-style dining hall um, it may be delivery, it may be grab and go. Um, so I think we're gonna find ourselves being quite creative. I will have to say, I will say that the, uh, the residence life teams um, across the state have done some extraordinary work in, in looking at the data and working with the health department. And in addition to that, uh, our food service vendors, um, again, they, they are dealing with these issues across the country uh, because those are, are larger organizations. And my guess is that they are um, making every effort uh, to, to explore different models. Lately, um, we've been talking about this notion of a, uh, a, 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 a Grubhub, Uber Eats, uh, DoorDash, uh, Southern Dash um, <laughs> kind of model. And so th those are things that we'll wind up exploring. Mm -hmm. President Joe, uh, what, what kind of conversations are you having with faculty and staff right now when they think about all of the extra time that they're spending in front of their computers trying to make this uh, learning work, uh, this idea of a hybrid model possibly down the road? It's a lot to ask of both students and faculty uh, during this time. And, and this all leads to my question about the finances for Southern and the other state universities who've had to put in a lot of resources, maybe some of it will be reimbursed by the, the government to even help with uh, pandemic preparation, uh, but then having to shift and thinking about your uh, your campus life. Well, I, I think first, uh, I, I want the faculty and staff and students to know that um, it's hard. We, we, we know that it's difficult. We know that it's challenging. And we're grateful and thankful um, that folks have... Um, They've, they've owned it, if you will, if you'll allow me to use that term. I think folks have rolled up their sleeves and have just said, this is what we need to do for the benefit of our students and for the benefit um, of our institution and for the benefit of our community, particularly as a social justice university. So I, I, think, um, I think in general, um, folks have have accepted the charge, if you will. Now, having said that, I think it's incumbent upon leaders of institutions 
again, to be focused on the health and well-being of the members of their community. And that includes being cognizant of the experiences that individuals are having um, in their homes, with their families. Um, the personal aspects matter because you have an individual who's trying to teach or trying to run an office um, or a department while simultaneously uh, uh, homeschooling children, for example, or taking care of um, a, a, an elderly family member. So all of those things, I, I think, tie in. Um, the best that we can do, I think, over the particularly over the summer, we need to take the summer um, to provide the appropriate platforms, provide the appropriate instruction uh, and training so that individuals will have the tools necessary to be able to mm -hmm. do whatever it is they need to do. Creativity do you, is going to be, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, how do you, how are you thinking about enrollment in terms of how that will be impacted? Because again, some families, uh, some students may not want this uh, online uh, learning. Uh, they want that in-person on-campus experience. Are you expecting your numbers to drop? Sure, sure. I, I think that, that, uh, we'll find in terms of the enrollment and the finances, it won't be easy. Um, en enrollment was already a struggle in the Northeast and in particular in New England. So there have been, uh, because of, of, of demographics and because of um, the changes in the economy over the course of the last several years, um, th there, ha there has been a decrease in the number of students who are attending institutions of higher education. And so, the competition has been pretty fierce. But having said that, I think that the best that we can do now is to make every effort to articulate why education matters. I think it's going to matter even, even more so um, as the job market becomes more fluid. I mean, this is this is a challenging time to look for employment. And so the, the more uh, opportunity and educational experience you have under your belt, I think the more likely um, you are and the more competitive you will be in the job market when the time comes. Mm -hmm. um, I also think that uh, I, I often say to students, this is an opportunity um, if you're going to be at home, <laughs> um, Yes, online learning might not be ideal, but again, if you're going to be at home and you don't have a number of other options, uh, there's an opportunity for you to finish your degree and perhaps even complete that degree faster than you might have originally completed the degree. Mm -hmm. The experience will not be exactly the same, but you might be surprised to learn that we have had a number of events, uh, social events, academic events, uh, just community events, um, all virtually. <laughs> and it's actually been been pretty exciting to see. Uh, I, I think the, the, the plus side for a lot of our students are that they, they are used to a virtual environment. They live it every day. They've probably adjusted better um, than those of us of different generations have. And so, so students think, have adjusted better than faculty. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I, so I think that um, this forces us 
to, again, to think creatively, to think about, um, all right, how do I deliver this online? And at the same time, are there opportunities to still meet on the ground and be socially distant um, in a way that makes sense? Uh, even if we were to deliver all of the classes online, that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't explore um, other opportunities through uh, through social distancing. Mm -hmm. I think that's the first piece. In terms of the finances, Lucy, um, the, 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 this, will, the, this will impact significantly um, the, the, uh, the fiscal uh, strength and, and, and viability of almost any institution. Um, the we will lose millions of dollars. We did uh, refund about seven million dollars to our current students for one mm -hmm. semester's room and board. Um, we are projecting um, a rather large deficit going into uh, the the new academic year and moving forward. Um, but I also have to say that uh, we we have done, a, I think, a, a good job in managing the resources that we have. In fact, um, very recently, a, a number of, of all of our campuses have been uh, experiencing uh, some significant philanthropic gifts mm -hmm. to help students uh, who are experiencing difficult times during the pandemic. Well, let's talk more about that after the break with Southern Connecticut State University President Joe Bertolino. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. This is where we live. You can join us too, 888-720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today we're talking about higher education during this pandemic uh, with my guest, uh, President Joe Bertolino, who leads Southern Connecticut State University in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, President Joe, we were talking about finances. Uh, you said that your institution, as well as others, uh, planning to lose potentially millions of dollars. So what does that mean for the courses Southern may provide in the future? Where would you be able to trim maybe less, maybe focus more on specialized uh, courses and academic programs and getting rid of some others to, to make up the difference? Well, uh, first, the, 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 the federal government will help uh, the CARES Act um, helps uh, tremendously, at least up to a point. And so we will be able to recoup some of those dollars. But uh, a lot will depend on what the federal and state government are able to do in terms of support moving forward as, as COVID-19 continues to unfold. As it relates to delivery of courses um, and delivery of services, I, I do think that you'll find that we will have to make some very difficult decisions. Uh, all institutions will. Um, we are an institution that, and like most institutions of higher education, uh, we're built on a growth model. And the infrastructure that has been developed uh, has been focused on that continued growth 
over decades, quite frankly. Now that we see a steep decline and now that we're experiencing um, this crisis, I think that you'll find that we will be looking one, um, at, at, at how we are delivering particular courses. Again, as I mentioned before, some might be um, on campus, some might be online, some might be a hybrid. Two, I think we'll be exploring what are those courses and disciplines and programs that our students and our community is asking for. Uh, we certainly see this across all institutions that, that um, health and human services, which is um, <clears throat> probably our most robust programs. Um, we, we see tremendous growth there. Um, third, I, I think that um, you know, we'll be having a lot of conversation about managing how we serve students um, with the number of individuals that we might have on campus. I, I expect that, that over the course of the next couple of years, uh, you will see uh, a number of folks who will retire from the institution. We have hired about 100 new faculty um, in the course of, of my four-year tenure at Southern. And we may be looking to um, ask folks to, to teach in a, in a more interdisciplinary way. Um, that is to say, we would want individuals to not only focus on their discipline, but partner with other faculty members and other departments um, across disciplines. I think the same holds true for administrators and for staff. Um, are we going to be able to cross train um, more regularly? Um, and and so, so it, it's gonna be difficult to see how this plays out, mm -hmm. but um, time will tell. I wanted to fit in a call, Jean's calling from Hamden. Jean, we have just a few minutes, uh, quickly with your comment or question. Hi, hi, President Joe, this is um, hi. Jean Brenny. Yep, hi. Jean. Can you help? Hey. Yes, go ahead, Jean. You're saying, Yep, thanks, Lucy. I'm actually the chair of the Department of Public Health at Southern Connecticut State University, and I want to really thank President Joe for his hesitancy and concern for opening the campus fully up in the fall. He doesn't know this yet, but we, um, we as a Department of Public Health feel strongly to keep our faculty and students safe, so we will be offering all of our courses online in the fall. We've had a lot of support and positive feedback from students and faculty about doing this. Um, we hope to open fully in the spring, but as a department, we feel um, we want to take the lead on campus and, um, and you know, just keep people protected in the fall, not knowing what's going to be happening with vaccines and antibody tests. Well, thank you, Jean, for calling in to let us know. Uh, President Joe, what's your, your reaction to, to hearing that, you know, certain departments are thinking this is the way to go in the fall, uh, definitely do all line, not, not a hybrid? Well, I, I think I appreciate, first of all, Gene's terrific, and, and uh, the, our, our, our public health uh, program is, is top-notch, so I, I thank her for her leadership. Um, I, I think that, that ultimately uh, we are going to see um, a, a combination, that there are going to be some departments that are going to uh, trend to more online learning. I think it really depends on the discipline. 
um, and whether departments feel as though that is something that, that they can deliver effectively and efficiently. Um, again, it would be different than the remote learning that we've been experiencing. We're talking about mm -hmm. a, a true pedagogical online learning. Um, but I'll also say that, uh, you know, I, I, I think um, we don't know how all of this is going to play out. And the most important thing that we need to be focused on is the health and well-being of our students and our community. The science is going to determine what happens here. Um, the, the nature of the virus is going to determine what direction we head we will be following the guidelines of the CDC and, uh, and, and the state health department and the governor's office. Um, science and data, I think, mm. are going to, to lead the day. And ultimately, mm. our job is to provide the best education that we can um, in the most flexible way that we can, in the most creative way that we can. And I am pretty confident that both in the short term and the long term, that we will be able to do that and that mm. we'll be able to continue to find ways to do that. So well, President, Joe, President Joe, beyond uh, higher education responding to this pandemic in a safe and responsible way, let's talk a little bit about higher education in the future. Uh, you know, this idea that you know the, the costs of higher education have skyrocketed, student uh -huh. loan debt has risen, it far outpaces inflation. Is this a time where higher education leaders are really thinking about what are the ways that we can educate individuals in the future where it's not so uh, cost prohibitive and uh, people can really get something out of uh, this education? Because again, the job market right now, it is problematic. Yeah. Well, I do think that um, students get a lot out of the education that we offer, and we're very proud of that. Um, I think we're always looking for uh, new avenues to explore um, and, and, and always trying to view education through a variety of different lenses. I mean, there's tremendous diversity among each of our institutions in the state. And one size doesn't necessarily fit all in terms of educational approaches, in terms of approaches to responding to COVID-19. Um, you know, at one time, folks would say that, that it was going to be Online learning, that was going to be the be-all, end-all. And we do have um, institutions around the country that, that provide significant online learning, and that is um, a, a, a pretty flooded market, quite frankly. We then um, uh, heard uh, there, there were uh, some other trends about other forms of, of course delivery. Uh, some of those have waned. Um, I think at the end of the day, um, nothing can replace the personal experience. Nothing can replace the relationship building. Now, in the future, I do think that the hybrid model will become more prevalent. Um, but that's just my opinion. And so balancing, finding the balance between technology and on-the-ground learning and effectively being able to do that in a way that mm. makes sense for the students that we serve, um, I, I think will will make or break uh, uh, institutions mm. of higher education. But I'll take that a step further. I also think that partnerships matter. So, for example, 
Southern has partnerships with Gateway Community College, Housatana Community College, um, Norwalk. Those partnerships, those connections, not just with um, community colleges and traditional two-year institutions, but those partnerships with other four-year institutions, um, I think are going to be critical. You know, when, when, when one institution um, is in crisis, uh, it impacts all of us in higher education. So I think our responsibility is to try to be as supportive as possible to uh, um, all of the institutions in the state. How do we how do we help one another? As for the finances, um, I, I think the, the change will come over time. I think we will find that as individuals uh, leave an institution or as individuals retire or as enrollment trends mm. change, um, we'll see some programs merge with other programs. Um, we'll look to hire faculty and staff uh, in in a particular discipline or a series of disciplines. Probably and President Joe, we're, we're running out of time here. Oh, I did want to bring up uh, Kathleen had called in and just wanted to remind everyone we, as we talk about the future of higher ed, need to think about students' computer and internet resources. It's yeah. not easy for everyone. And that's something I'm sure that's uh, in the discussion. But I want to thank President Joe Bertolino. Again, he leads Southern Connecticut State University. Thank you so much for joining us today here thank on you. Where We Live. And we hope to continue this conversation uh, in the future. Uh, today's show produced by Tess Terrible. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Thanks for listening.